Okay, I want to welcome the CD program um, to services here at Church of God Rocky Mount. What do you do when your life is not working? What's the most logical thing you can do when your life is not working? Now, I have an answer. The answer is try something different. Try something different when your life is not working. You know that old saying, it's insanity to when you keep trying to do the same old thing over and over that you know is not working. You've proven it a thousand times, what I'm doing is not working. But to keep doing it is what they call insanity. And just recently, I, uh, you know, sometimes all you got to do is just make a little change in your life to make things start working better for you. Just recently, I was sort of overwhelmed with some of the outreach stuff that I'm doing you ever get to the point where you get so overwhelmed that you don't even know the next step? It's like you're just sitting, spinning, and thinking, I can't even move off dead center. I don't know which way to go. And I found myself getting to that point, and all of a sudden it was like, you know, something said, well, David, look, this outreach, you don't have to do this. I'm not limited. I got all kinds of people out there. <laughs> And just the awareness that I don't have to do it took a, you know, a peace returned to me, a calmness returned to me, actually a joy returned to me, just realizing, okay, I don't have to do this. You're putting a lot of this on yourself. It's not as though someone else is putting this on you. You're putting it on yourself. You don't have to do this. And then I, I devised a plan. I said, you know, I can take my programs, and since I got a, a listening audience, I can start doing some reruns because chances are they don't remember them anyway. And I can do like three old ones and one new one, do something old, do something fresh, and make a long story short, I basically got thought up a plan where I can get six months of programs already ready and recorded, ready to be packaged out. I can go ahead and do that. The YouTube videos, if I, if I sit down and work hard at it for two or three hours, I can do a whole seven-day section in two or three hours. Edit one program. It usually gives me about seven days of, and I like to upload something every day. So, so I thought, you know, I can, I can have this, get it pre-ready and take a break and not rush. And, and one of the things that was causing me a lot of frustration was I wasn't enjoying what I'm doing. And so by having this pre-ready, it enabled me to start enjoying it again. So I'm not under any pressure. So I thought a little change like that can make a big difference. What's the most logical thing you can, you can do when your life is not working? Try something different. Try something different. I want to talk about the road to salvation today. I, mean, I think salvation is one of the most misunderstood subjects out there. What it is and what God is trying to save about you. Now, when I talk about salvation, let me ask it another way. What is it about you that needs saving right now? Let me ask it another way. What's not working in your life right now? Whatever's not working in your life right now, that needs saving. You need salvation in that area. And I'm convinced that life, our whole life, is a series of coming to points where you realize, uh-oh, I need something, I need God to save something about me. So, 
what is it about you that needs saving right now? And, and another way to ask that is what is not working in your life right now? Now, sometimes it's hard to get specific. If you were drowning, there wouldn't be a question in your mind what you needed. If you're going under the water and you're gulping in water and your hand's out of the water, you would know, I need someone to throw me a rope, a raft, or, or something, a life jacket. I need salvation. And it really is just that simple. I mean, when we talk about what is it that's not working in your life, what is it that you need that needs saving about you right now? So there are things about me throughout my entire life that's going to need saving. And often we don't look at salvation. People don't look at salvation like that. They look at it as a one-time decision, something they did long ago. All that was settled long ago when I gave my heart to the Lord. To the Lord. You know, that was all settled long ago. I made my one-time decision and that's it. We just, most people don't look at salvation as a process that throughout your life there are things about you that God's going to need to correct and, and save about you. Salvation is personal. And I think it's okay to look at it as my salvation. You know, um, and my salvation is going to be a little bit different than yours. It's the same method. I mean, it's grace of Jesus Christ. We all understand that, but it's different. Let me try to explain that, how it's different. Remember a guy in a church told me a story long ago. He said when he was baptized, he'd been a, a smoker all of his life. He said he threw his cigarettes away going to the baptism <laughs> and, and said when he was baptized, his exact words were, God took away the desire to smoke. I was always fascinated by that story. That's one method of salvation right there. Now let's, let's think about another guy in the church who has the same type of addiction, but God doesn't take it away immediately. He struggles with, for about five or six years, and he falls flat on his face and gets up and tries again and gets up and fails and tries again. God just doesn't take it away, and he has to overcome that, and he has to struggle with that. You know, both are salvation issues, but they're different. One, where God took it away, he could talk about the power of God, the goodness of God. The other that had to struggle, you know, he would have, chances are, more compassion toward the other smokers in the world and more understanding. So there's a difference there when we talk about the road to salvation and how God works. You know, the person where God just took it away, he might not understand or he might be sort of short with people and, and be sort of stronger or, I don't condemning. And not understand. So, the salvation road. Now, the Bible tells us, let's take a look at this verse. Philippians 2 and verse 12 is a powerful statement. Philippians 2 and verse 12 tells us this. It tells us to work out your own salvation. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And it goes on to say how we do this. For it is God which works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's God working in you to accomplish this. Now, I want to I illustrate 
something here. I didn't have time to put pictures up here. But what I would call the salvation roadmap. If we had, if I could draw some pictures here, at the bottom I would put a circle that says you. At the top, salvation. In between that, we would put a map, just of roads. And you know, there's, there's a road that leads from point A to point B, from you to salvation. There's many roads, actually. And I'm not saying there's many ways to salvation. I'm just saying there, you know, you might have a scenic route. <laughs> you might have the quickest route. You know, GPS, sometimes it'll give you the quickest route, the shortest mileage and all that. And uh, so, you know, there's roads and that lead to salvation. Now, off, off of this are little shoots of what I call dead-end streets. You know, off of these roads are just dead ends on this salvation road map. Dead-end streets. How do you know when you've taken a dead-end street? You're on your way to salvation, but how do you know when you're taking a dead-end street? Your life's not working. That's how you know. Life's not working. What do you do? You try something different. <laughs> and, you know, in a GPS, sometimes that thing would say, look, recalculating. <laughs> Stop. Turn around. You missed your turn. And, and I'm convinced that some of us are sometimes so determined. We've, we've taken a wrong road. And we're walking, and we say, hi, look at that sign. It says dead end. We keep walking. Turn around. We keep walking. Go back. It's a dead end. And we're, I don't know what it is, but we're just like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all the way down to this dead end street. The GPS would say, turn around, you idiot. It's, it's a dead end street. It's not going to work for you. How do you know when you've taken a dead end street? Your life's not working. And you know, turn around, when I say turn around, you know what that means? That means repent. That's U-turn, basically what the word means. It means turn your life, turn around. Go back in the other direction to repent. Now, I read a statement one time that it would shock a lot of religious people. And it said this. It said, salvation is education. Salvation is education. Now, I know we can't save ourselves. I understand it is the grace of Jesus Christ. But the personal things you need to be saved from is going to involve some education, know-how, learning. And in a sense, salvation involves a lot of, in other words, the things that God wants to save about you is going to involve some knowledge on how to do it, what to do, how to turn around. You know, the, <clears throat> the cause of all the world's unhappiness, sorrow, Suffering, poverty, religious confusion is a lack of education when you think about it. The cause of all these things is a lack of education. Now, if you personalize this and you say, okay, the cause of all my unhappiness, sorrow, suffering, poverty, and confusion is wrong education. It's a lack of education. You really begin to understand what's going on here. I mean, it, it's, it really is. I remember hearing a story about missionary work over in Africa. They would give, the missionaries would take over there a half a Bible, the New Testament. And of course, the savages would read, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells, whatever, you know. And, and so they would get saved or whatever. But in one interview, National Geographic, one of the reporters interviewed one of the 
tribesman. And he said, you know, yes. He says, yes. Uh, he said, you know, we work hard all day long. And when we come in from the fields, there's not a lot of enjoyment that we get. And said, yes, a man has his wives, and, but he also has many other, you know. And, of course, it's ravaged with AIDS. And they don't have that half of the Bible, the Old Testament, that says, Never have sexual intercourse with your mother's sister or your father's sister. Whoever has sexual intercourse with a close relative must be punished. They don't have that part. They don't have that knowledge, that saving, that salvational knowledge of the Old Testament that tells them how to behave. Therefore, they're eaten, the, the country is eaten up with AIDS. They're only given half the Bible, the New Testament. Are they saved? No. You, you can't, the first, one of the things about salvation is you've got to be saved from yourself, from your self-destructive behaviors. That's real salvation. It's not just, a, oh, I love Jesus. It's not just hearing a story about Jesus. Jesus wants to save you, everything about you. He wants your life to work. Salvation is education. Isn't there a scripture that says, well, let's take a look at Hosea 4 and verse 6. Hosea 4 and verse 6 tells us a reason people are destroyed. It says, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. What is that? That's education. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. Notice that. How do you reject knowledge? Well, you just, keep, you just keep doing the same thing that's not working. That's how you reject knowledge. You know it's not working, you keep repeating it. I will also reject thee that you shall be no priest to me, seeing they have forgotten the law of God. I will also forget your children. So when we think about it, what is salvation? A lot of people say, well, it's believing in Jesus. It's the grace of God. Yeah, it's, it's all those things. But what is salvation? It is to know the meaning of life. It is to discern the true values from the faults. It is to know the way to peace, happiness, abundant well-being, and eternal life. That's salvation. What is salvation in your personal life? You know, if your life is not working, try something different. Try salvation. Try salvation. Now, I'm convinced that a lot of people want salvation without knowledge. In fact, I know. A lot of people want salvation, but they don't want any knowledge. I'm reminded of this guy I see on TV. You know, I watch a little bit more TV staying at my mother sometime. She's got cable TV. And I watch preachers. There's a guy on there, he's always, he's got this seed doctrine, seed donation. And he says, Send, you know, it, he tells this cute little story about how God can multiply you know, your seed, put your seed on the altar. He wants $1,000. He said, put it on your credit card. That's a smart idea. Put it on your credit card. And some of these buffoons, you know, I, I don't know, you know, and I understand the concept that if you plant a kernel of corn, you don't just get one big rock of corn. You know, you get a, you get a stalk with ears and the thousands of, of seed, you know, kernels of corn. I understand that, that God can multiply. But there are people, and he runs like a telephone. It's a telephone. I mean, he's got people answering the phone for it. And it's always the same old story. Send in your seed donation. And here's, here's the thing. 
There are people that actually believe that if they do that, send that thousand dollars, their lives will totally be turned around. Their dysfunction will disappear. Their health will increase. Money will just pour out of the sky. They actually believe that. It's a shame. I think these people ought to be locked up and put in jail. And, you know, he'll say, so help me spread the gospel. And I'm thinking, what gospel? You had not even talked about the gospel yet. There is no gospel. It's a seed donation. It's the same story. And it's all... It drives me crazy. Salvation without knowledge. You know, our society, in a way, has true knowledge. It rejects true knowledge. Many people today believe the Bible was not written to inform man's mind. To, you know, to say the gospel of Christ is an educational message, a lot of people would say, no, what are you talking about? It's not an educational message. It has nothing to do with education. That's how people look at it. Old, we need the old-fashioned gospel, you know, that is totally irrational and unrelated to the mind. The old-fashioned, it's just a decision. Yeah, I, I love Jesus. Old-fashioned gospel. The Bible is an impractical book unrelated to knowledge is how people look at it. And so the Bible has come to be regarded as outdated, superstitious, a book of fables, the writings of ancient Race of Jews ignorantly searching for a national concept of God. Tell people, look at it. Why would you study the Bible? There's nothing in there for me. But I can be saved. All I got to do is just, whatever, raise my hand, give my heart to the Lord. You know, Jesus said, you know, to love God with all your heart and mind. Think about, what does that mean? All your mind? Is that not education, educational there? To love God with all your mind? Sure it is. You know, if the Bible was written to change man's heart, and it is, it's, it's written to change the heart of man, how can what is written there change man's heart if it's never understood by the mind? It has to be understood by the mind. Proverbs says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all you're getting, get understanding. Man, you know, get wisdom, get understanding. Go to it, search it out, find it. Why is my life not working? Try something different. Try something different. And, and, and again, there's this view that, okay, you know, I had recently, I, had a, uh, I did a program called Absent from the Body. Because I got so sick of hearing that statement. Well, Paul says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. You know, I, you know we almost got in a debate at that a funeral I did for Freddie, uh, you know, the, the Baptist minister, you know, he, I talked about the resurrection, he kept going back to heaven, you know, I, mean, I talked about the resurrection, and absent from the body, present with the Lord, you know, back and forth, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a program on that, and I asked the question, you know, when will you see God, that you can't see God the way you are, now, your body has to be changed, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So if we can determine when we're going to be changed from mortal to immortality, then we can determine when we're going to see God. That was my approach. Okay, when are we going to be changed? Resurrection. Therefore, we have just identified when we're going to see God. Because you can't see God the way you are now. Well, anyway, someone wrote me uh, and said, you are truly a heretic. <laughs> you try to apply, get this, you try to apply common sense knowledge to the word of God, which supersedes, and they misspelled supersede, uh, all knowledge. 
You, sir, lack discernment. Now, here's the idea, you know, we can't get it. You're trying, and I asked, I wrote back and I said, well, what kind of knowledge am I supposed to understand the Bible with? Well, what, what's your choice? I mean, the only thing I got is human knowledge. And, uh, but, you know, th that statement, uh, you try to apply common sense knowledge to the Word of God, which supersedes all knowledge. There's this idea that you can't really understand God. You just can't, you know, read the Athanasian Creed for a perfect example of that. No one can understand God. It's, it's too high. You know, no one can understand His will. No, can, no one can understand His law. No one can understand God. And it's nonsense. You know, it's like, well, I'm the brightest box in the crayon because I can't understand anything. It's, it's, it's crazy. Now, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Could this be the reason your life is not working? One thing I can guarantee you, if your life is not working, you are believing a lie. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it. You're believing a lie if your life is not working. You've, you've fallen for something that is untrue. Salvation is education. Peter said, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice that. Grow in the knowledge. Now, the origins of false education... We might ask, have you been duped by false education? I mentioned this salvation roadmap, and I said there's a lot of dead-end streets that we can go down. How do you know when you're going down a dead-end street? Your life's not working. You need to turn around. False education started in the Garden of Eden. Satan offered the first humans a counterfeit way to abundant living. Think about that. He offered them a, a different way. False education. You know, the Bible warns about false teachers. Paul warns that the devil's ministers would masquerade as God's true ministers. You know, sometimes we're just a little bit too relaxed in listening to other stuff and just think, well, you know, he says he's a preacher, he's on radio, he's on TV, and it must be what he just taught me must be right. Jesus warns to beware of those who seem to be God's ministers but are in reality, you know, the ministers of Satan. I had an example of this just recently. I was listening to a radio ministry and they were talking about helping the poor. And it was two guys and one of the guys asked, he said, well, what about those people who would say that if you help the poor, you are enabling the poor? And the other guy just totally dismissed it and said, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's not Christian. I tell you, I nearly ripped the radio out of my vehicle. I thought, it's not, because I think about that. You know, what about enabling? Jesus never enabled a poor, poor person. I can guarantee you, he never enabled them. Enabling poor people is a real issue in our society. And to just dismiss it and say, oh, that's not Christian. We're just supposed to love everybody, help everybody. Give our money to everybody? No. No. And I'm convinced. You know, Paul said, if any man will not work, neither should he eat. I am convinced. Paul would not be considered a Christian by today's religious fanatics. He wouldn't. Because of that statement. He would be called, Paul, you're not a Christian. Because of what you just said. If any man will not work, neither should he eat. 
I've used the example, you know, working like working in a soup kitchen, and you ask the guy, "Are you working?" Oh no, no hadn't had a job in ten years. <laughs> Pull the soup away. <laughs> no soup for you. <laughs> That's what Paul would do. Okay, well, what what religious people do? I don't know. Now, I'm not saying you can't help people, but you you do. do we take the word of God? I mean, does it mean anything in our life? Now, what repentance is not? It is not a life that doesn't work. Old Testament said, all, If you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings shall come upon you. That sounds like a life that works to me. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Now, I know he's talking national there, national blessing of a nation. But I have to personalize that also in my personal life and say, okay, all these blessings. Repentance is unconditional surrender. It's a U-turn. Life not working, try something different. Try something different. I think God wants you to have a fuller and richer life. Jesus said, I have come, John 10 and verse 10, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That sounds good to me. I want you to have abundant life. I want you to be blessed. He did not tell us to bend our backs under a mountain of human woe and suffering. Or to live in poverty and misery. He didn't say that. He said, I've come to that you might have life. And more abundantly. Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. You know, the things that he's talking about adding is the things that we want. It is the material things. It is the, the nice things. So, it is not the giving up of material things that God is interested in. It's the attitude that you have toward them. If your attitude is right, that's a good thing. Now, if you let it go to your head, that can, that can be bad. But it's your, it's your attitude toward the things that God has given you. How do you find your way back to the road that leads to salvation? Now, this may sound strange, strange here. But I think it's necessary sometimes to do this. To say... If you're taking one of these dead-end streets, your life's not working, how do you find your way back? This, this may sound selfish, but salvation is, it's about you. It's, it's a decision to say, you know, I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what works for me. You are the instrument of salvation. We can talk about other people later. God may not be calling them right now. They not, may not be an instrument of salvation. But salvation is what, what works. What works for me? Is this working or not? Try salvation. Say, God, show me where I'm wrong. Correct me. Make your life work by trying real salvation. The kind of salvation that I think God desires for each one of us. Real salvation. Where your life is a blessing. It's a blessing not only for yourself, but it's a blessing to other people. You know, so often I think, okay, how, I, I think like this sometimes, I think, how, how can, I'll use some names here, I, 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 I say, how can Mike and Janie be a blessing to my ministry? 
How can this person, how can that, how can Ronnie be, how can, you know, and I go around and I think, how can they be a blessing? And they are a blessing, you are a blessing, but I, I think like that, you know, and I think sometimes God bless them so they can be a blessing to me. <laughs> and so to pray for one another in that sense, it's, it's very powerful, I think, to do that. Because, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about money, okay, but, but there's a whole gamut of, of ways that a person can be a blessing to each other, to one another. So, that kind of salvation where you look at your life and you think, man, I've got areas that's not working and I want it to work. And I think God desires that more than, any, more than you desire it, that my life may work and that I may be a blessing, not only a personal blessing, but a blessing to other people.